before the season even started, I knew Duvall was going to be back on our team somehow, some way. I just knew it. Mike Trout might be one of the safest bets in history, to be honest. As soon as that happened, it's like Javante Davis turned to switch and he went into kill mode. And Terrence Crawford, um, there's an argument that he might be the most feared man in boxing right now. Not really seeing many names stepping up, calling him out. If the MLB doesn't do something about it soon, uh, we could potentially be looking at another, maybe like a mini steroid era scandal on the MLB. Welcome to the All Takes No Whiffs podcast. Here are your hosts, Christian and A. Hindi. Welcome back to another episode of the All Takes No Whiffs podcast. We got another great episode this week, and I'm really looking forward to this one. This week, we're going to be given our midseason awards for the MVP, Cy Young, and Rookie of the Year across Major League Baseball, and we're just going to talk about some boxing. There's not too many matches that are good this week, and so we're going to talk about some upcoming matches that are later this year. Yes, yeah, sir. With the All-Star Game weekend coming up, really looking forward to these midseason awards, and let's get it. As we got All-Star Game festivities coming up this weekend, it's a good time to give our opinions on who we think are winning MVP, Cy Young, and Rookie of the Year so far this season. It's been a hell of a race. It's just been a great season overall. You got a lot of guys who deserve some consideration, but when it comes down to it, I do think there's some standouts, and that really shows as we've got the same exact picks for every award across each league. Yeah, me and Christian came up with the same picks. Really, it's pretty clear and cut at who's uh, winning each one right now. There are kind of some close races, but all these guys have really, really pulled away here recently. And I'm really looking forward to seeing all these races, how they're going to end at the end of the year, because not all these guys are going to end up winning this, this award that we give them. Yeah, that could definitely be the case. The second half, that's where a lot of people really get their things going. And these races can end up a little closer. But as of right now, I've me and Alex, we both really think that, like he said, it's clear cut. As for my AL MVP, I feel like this race has gotten a little closer recently, but for the majority of this first half of this season, I you definitely got to go with Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, at one point, was clear cut the best player in baseball. And as of right now, he's slowed down a little bit, but he's still being really productive and he can easily pick things back up. He's playing with something to prove this year you know contract year and I really do think he has a chance of leading the Yankees to a serious run this year just want to mention real quick pay that man New York come on yeah Judge is going to definitely get a huge payday at the end of this year but I mean what he's doing on the field right now is absolutely incredible I mean he's batting 283 right now 65 RBIs 30 home runs and he's seven for seven in stolen bases and playing great defense out there so Aaron Judge is doing it all right now and really the only player I would really put in the running with him right now is probably Jose Ramirez. Mike Trout has kind of cooled off uh, recently with the horrible run the Astros are on. So this run really looks like it's going to come down to Aaron Judge and J-Ram. But we do have a whole second half left and anyone could come out of nowhere. Yeah, I definitely feel that. There's not too many names right now making it that crazy of a race. Uh, you can make a Quick case for Otani, I guess, but I really do think his slow start is holding him back. He's been playing great baseball as of late, been insane on the bump, but yeah, like I said, it's not, you can't, that doesn't really make up for the f slow first half of the first half that he's had. As for our NL MVP, 
I really do think this one's a lot more clear cut, even though judges had an insane season. We went with Paul Goldschmidt on the St. Louis Cardinals. He's having a hell of a season. And at one point, you can make a case that he was clear cut the best player in baseball as well. And honestly, I think he's taken a pretty comfortable lead. And it's going to take a lot for somebody to really get their name in the running, too. Like, you got Mookie Betts, who's definitely in that conversation. But he had that whole rib injury. And he can insert himself back into it. But I do think as of right now, Goldschmidt is a clear cut NL MVP. Goldschmidt has been definitely the best first baseman in baseball all year long. And clearly he's been the best player in the NL the entire year too. I mean, this this dude's just absolutely been going off. He struggled at the beginning of the year. And I remember in one of our uh, previous episodes that I said his batting average went up almost, I think, 90 points between, I think, May and June. And that's absolutely ridiculous because he just, he went off in the entire month. He played 25 games that month and batted four or 360-something. And it brought his batting average up to 352. That's just absolutely incredible. And he sustained that. His batting average has not gone down very far since then. He's hit 19 home runs already, 65 RBIs. On-base percentage is at 420 right now, which is absolutely absurd. And an OPS over 1,000, anyone with an OPS over 1,000 is doing good things in this season. So Paul Goldschmidt is clear-cut favorite for MVP, NL MVP right now. I really do feel like Goldie is potentially going to maintain this. I I personally think he's going to be my pick for end-of-the-year MVP. Now, when it comes to races that are relatively close, in my opinion, the AL Cy Young does stand out as one. For our pick, we went with Shane McClanahan on the Tampa Bay Rays. He's having an insane season himself. There's other people in the running, but he's got 141 strikeouts, matching his rookie season total already at before the halfway point. He's got an ERA at 173, one of the best in baseball. And he's doing this in his second season. It's kind of scary to think about how we're going to have to deal with him in the AL East. The Yankees are definitely going to have to face this arm for years to come. And he's doing his thing as of right now. Yeah, I'm loving what Shane McClanahan is doing so far this year. Um, definitely is uh, the uh, definitely is the AL Cy Young winner as of right now. But it's going to be very interesting to see how the second half of the season goes because He's basically at what he has done his entire rookie season. He's at 104 innings pitched right now, and he's only gone 123 innings last year. So is he going to get tired? Maybe. Is he going to keep it going? We'll see. But this is definitely something to kind of keep an eye on for Shane McClanahan because he just hasn't pitched this much at this level. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the big factors as to why I think this race is still kind of close. He has a Decently commanding lead, but then you got Justin Verlander putting up a hell of a season in a real comeback season because at his age, getting Tommy John, that really seemed like a bad news. Things could have been over, but nah, he's going out with a bang. And I do think he's worth mentioning in the conversation, but McClanahan definitely has a solid lead over him. Yeah, and if I had to throw someone in for a dark horse for... AL Cy Young, I'm going to put Dylan Cease in there for the Chicago White Sox. This dude has been pitching lights out this year. He's had 10 strikeout games multiple times, and he's really taken over that ace spot in the Chicago White Sox rotation. So if there's a sleeper out there, I'm going Dylan Cease. 
Yeah, I see what you mean with Dylan Cease. He's he's got one of my favorite curveballs in baseball. It's it's loopy but really effective at the same time. As for our NL Cy Young pick, this one was this one was I would say about as tough, if not a little more tough than the AL Cy Young. But out of the couple of names that we had to decide from, we went with Sandy Alcantara on the Miami Marlins. He's had one shaky start that I could remember off the top of my head, and since that start, he has just been utterly dominant. This man goes deep in just about every game he's in, and his stuff is electric. He gets strikeouts at a great rate. He's got an ERA of 1.73, and he's by far been the most valuable player, not just on the Marlins, but you can make case the most valuable pitcher in baseball. Oh yeah, Sandy Alcantara may be the best pitcher in baseball right now uh, with what he's doing. Uh, dude has two complete games on the season. I don't think there's many people who even have one. I, that's kind of crazy because pitchers really don't go deep that deep into games anymore with all the pitch count and everything. But he's been efficient this year. He's pitching great. Uh, the only really thing I, I kind of worry about with him is walks. He's getting a little bit better at not walking people and just really limiting soft contact. That's that's the big thing with him. He doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. Yeah, like you said about the soft contact, Sandy, I think a big factor for him is his sinker. It's electric and it has a ton of movement. So even if guys are putting the bat on the ball, it's rarely they're squaring it up. Even though we went with Sandy, uh, there's definitely – another name or two that definitely deserve a shout out. I know you mentioned Max Freed to me at first. I didn't, I wasn't disagreeing. I had to put some thought into it, but I definitely see what you're saying. He's having an insane season. And then you got Tony Gonsolin on the Dodgers. He's having a hell of a year. He's leading the league in ERA at 1.62. I know it was tough having to go with Sandy over Max Freed because he definitely deserves a shout out. And as a Braves fan, I know you're loving what he's doing for your team this season. Oh, yeah. I mean, Max Fried is probably number two on my list right now uh, for Cy Young. And if I'm being quite honest with you, I probably think he's going to end up winning it. Uh, he just looks like a different pitcher since after the All-Star break last year. He's been extremely dominant. He's had a couple shaky starts this year. Pitched against the Mets on Monday night. Only gave up two runs, but was up against Max Scherzer, one of the best pitchers in baseball. So it was a great game. So I, I really think he is going to end up winning it at the end of the year. But, uh, I mean, right now he's putting up great numbers. Strikeouts are not like they were the past couple of years, but I think it's because he realizes he doesn't need to strike people out to get them out. Yeah, for sure. But real quick, you mentioned Max Scherzer. I just wanted to see how high do you think he would be in this race if it wasn't for his injury? Because he definitely was going into it, even though it was really early. He probably would be leading it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's already won, what, three Cy Young Awards before? I mean, this is one of the best pitches you'll ever see in baseball, and I think he'd be one, two, or three. I mean, you can't ever count him out. Yeah, no doubt. And speaking of counting people out, don't ever count out my boy Jeremy Pena, but when it comes to the AL Rookie of the Year as of right now, unfortunately, I can't go with him. I'm going to have to go with Julio Rodriguez. and. It's pretty clear-cut. Julio Rodriguez has been having an insane season and really has opened the gap between him and everybody else that's behind him in the race. Unfortunately, Jeremy, too. This dude has honestly taken the MLB by storm. Uh, I honestly did not think he was going to be this good out of the gate. 
I did think he had potential to win rookie of the year, but honestly, I just did not think he was going to be this good. Uh, he already has 15 home runs, 44 RBIs, and he has 21 stolen bases on the year. If I'm, if I remember correctly, he's leading the MLB in stolen bases and he's on pace to have a 2020 season, maybe even a 30, 30 season. And you never know if he keeps on playing like this, he could creep into the MVP conversation in his rookie year with a 30, 30 year, which is something we haven't seen too often. Cedric Mullins was the first person to do it in a while last year. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, Julio has really surprised me. I knew he had tools. The power, honestly, is what really surprised me the most. Uh, the ball just flies off his bat. Going into this season, I thought if we saw Julio Rodriguez, we'd get flashes maybe, but no, nah, the power's consistently there. The Mariners got a great center fielder on lock. They need to secure that man for years to come because Julio Rodriguez, he's got top five potential written all over him. Yeah, I can see the top five uh, potential, but we're definitely going to have to wait on that. Julio Rodriguez, he's a great talent right now, but we'll see how he pans out. Yeah, Julio's been doing his thing for the AL, but when it comes to the National League Rookie of the Year, I know this is probably the pick that Alex is most excited for because it's a hometown guy, and it's really well-deserved because Michael Harris II has been going crazy since he's been called up. has been a Huge spark for the Braves. I'm going to hand this off to you because you've been seeing what he's doing. How are you feeling about your center fielder? This dude has brought an entire new energy to the Atlanta Braves. Since he's been called up, that's when we have gone on this super hot streak. We were 10 and a half games behind the Mets. We lost the other night, so we're two and a half back now, but we we're down to one and a half. And I mean, this dude has done everything you could ask for. And he's batting in the nine hole right before Acuna, getting on base for him. Uh, I mean, this dude's doing everything. He's running the base as well. He's stealing bases, playing incredible defense. And the power is coming there now. He's at seven home runs already. And I, I just, I think it's going to continue. He's, he may get up to 20 home runs this year, which I didn't think he was going to be that type of hitter, to be honest, because uh, he wasn't like that in the minors but they do say once you get up to the majors you find that power and that we've seen that with a bunch of players but to be honest I honestly had a hard time picking which brave I thought would be rookie of the year right now because Spencer Strider starting pitcher uh, this dude has one of the most electric arms I've seen in a long time for the Atlanta Braves and uh, this kid's doing something special so uh, honestly I could have gone either way with Spencer Strider and Michael Harris but Michael Harris is just, he's been a little more consistent. I i would have to go Michael Harris myself, but the way it's looking right now, the Braves are about to be something serious for a while. You guys have solid pieces around a core that's already young. Things are going to be scary for the NL East for the while. Oh, yes, they are. I'm extremely happy about that. It's just, we got to lock some of these players up and some of them are going to have to be on some team-friendly deals. But that does it for our midseason awards. I'm looking forward to seeing how the second half of the season is going to go for these guys and potentially seeing some new names pop up. That very well could happen. And honestly, I'm expecting that to happen. Don't know in which specific area, but it will happen. We've got another slow week of boxing, unfortunately. Don't want to complain about it because we did just get off that stretch between May and June. That was a great stretch of boxing, but you know, it is what it is. That's It just comes with boxing. Sometimes it's slow. 
even though it's slow for this week when it comes to actual fights, there are things going on with fights being made, fighters beefing, fighters calling each other out, and things that are definitely worth talking about. First thing I want to mention is my frustration with how negotiations between Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford aren't going smooth. I, w- I don't even want to say that they're not going smooth, but th- things haven't been situated yet. This fight has been in the making for a while now, and we still haven't gotten anything official. It's pretty frustrating because with as long as this fight's been pushed aside, it seems possible that that could be the case again. That's the last thing I want, but people have been talking about this fight for years now, and we're not getting our answers. I'm, it's just real frustrating. I want to see what you think about that, Alex. I'm in the same boat as you. you know, this has been extremely frustrating. This is a fight that both of us have been wanting to see for a while, but has really been in the making for years. And just it's frustrating that it's finally kind of come together. And then now it's not falling apart, but they just can't agree on shit. And I don't know. It's it's just very frustrating as a fan of boxing because these are two of the top five pound for pound boxers in the world right now. And we want to see that happen. Don't get me wrong. People want to make cases for Bud being number one, and I won't argue against that. People want to make cases for Spence being higher. I won't argue against that. I can't get my answer until they fight each other. They are in the same weight class. They're the top two in that weight class. And that's how you distinguish who's better between the two. We need an undisputed class between them. And I would comfortably put the winner of that fight at pound for pound number one, in my opinion, especially Terrence Crawford on top of like what he's already done. But I hate to be that guy. Until then, I, I, neither one of them holds the number one spot for me. This is obviously the biggest fight of each guy's career. And it has been in the conversation for, like I said, for years now. And nothing coming out of it yet. So I will be crowning the winner of that pound for pound number one. Until then, I, I can't even consider either one of them as it. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with you on that. I would put whoever wins that fight number one on the pound for pound list too but i mean is this shit even gonna happen (laughs) i hope so man but the business of boxing probably the worst part of it that's that's it's just doing its thing right here as for a fight that is secured that i'm excited for not nearly as excited for the potential of spence versus crawford but canelo and triple g3 uh that's gonna be a big fight coming up a lot of people have different opinions on it but me personally i think Triple G is still very game, even at 40 years old. The last thing a fighter loses is his power, and we know for sure Triple G still has that after his performance against Murata in Japan. And you got Canelo coming off of a loss, second loss of his career. I'm pretty sure he's angry. I'd be angry too. Nobody likes to lose, and he's about to face a guy that he genuinely dislikes, so I think he's going to be going in there and trying to punish, but is he capable of punishing Triple G? is the question. I think he's got a good chance, to be honest, but uh, these are two great fighters. I honestly didn't think this fight was going to turn into what it is now. Uh, I thought it was just going to be kind of uh, a fun fight. Not like a fun fight, but uh, not a serious fight, but they've turned this thing into personal for personal reasons now, and I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Triple G, uh, we've mentioned this multiple times. He got robbed in the first fight. Um, he should have won it. Second fight, uh, I mean, it's whatever. Same shit, kind of, but uh, there's differing opinions on that. But really looking forward to this fight, and 
it's actually going to happen, unlike the Spence and Crawford fight right now. Yeah, the timeline for this whole Canelo-Triple-G feud, it's been an interesting one. Uh, like you said, robbed in the first fight for sure. That was a clear 8-4 fight, in my opinion, to Triple-G. Second fight, I see the argument of making tri- of having Triple-G be the winner. The difference between the first and second fight to me, though, I think the second fight was way closer. And there's a whole lot of swing rounds. I wouldn't even, I don't know if I'd say a whole lot, but there are definitely swing rounds involved. And personally, I went with Canelo edging it out. You can make the same argument for Triple G, or you can make the argument for a draw, which would have been a much more justified draw than the first one. That was crazy. But this third one, you know, Canelo's in his physical prime. Triple G is 40 years of age. But the more that I'm thinking about it, I think what it's going to come down to is Canelo has to make the most of his speed advantage. He definitely has had that over... Triple G since the first fight, but Triple G's pressure it was a big factor. I think if Canelo can apply more pressure with his speed involved, I, I do think that's going to be a rough night for Triple G. But Triple G is very game, like I said. Yeah, it's going to be a good fight. Triple G, Canelo—they're both going to have their work cut out for them, and it's definitely the trilogy uh, that we all want to see. Maybe a little too late. I hope it's not too late. Triple G, like you've been saying, he's 40 years old. Canelo's in his prime right now, and we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a great fight later on this year, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. As far as fights that should be happening, that are in talks, that we're waiting for, and fights that are secured, we've also got some potential. I kind of want to call this a hypothetical because it's possible to make but there isn't really negotiations going on from what I've seen, just fighters talking. You got Shakur Stevenson calling out Vasily Lomachenko after Lomachenko has reopened his availability after being in his situation with Ukraine. So Lomachenko, he's back on the fight schedule. I'm looking forward to when he's going to be there. And then you got Shakur, the young guy, the young up-and-coming future pound-for-pound star calling out Lomachenko, and that would be top three fight in boxing purely from a skill set, two styles that I think would mesh insanely well together. That's a fight that I would love to see, probably more than any other fight within like around the lightweight area, but I would say between 130 and 140. That's the biggest fight I'd like to see. What do you think the likelihood of this fight happening is, and how much would you look forward to this, Alex? Right now, I think this fight is unlikely just because of all the circumstances around everything. Lomachenko just coming back from his home country in Ukraine. Uh, Probably has to train a little bit to get back in shape and everything. I just don't see it happening right now. But this this is definitely a fight I want to see happen in the future. Uh, We all know what both of these fighters are. Both of these are honestly top 10 pound for pound fighters in the world. Shakur, one of the best up and coming young guys right now. Probably has the best defense out of almost any boxer I've seen right now. And then Lomachenko just has the ungodly power he has. And he's very technical too. And this would, like you said, both fighters, they their styles would mesh really well. And I think this would be a, a really, really good fight that would be super entertaining. First off, I agree with the quality of that fight. That would be an insane fight. And I also agree with you thinking that it's unlikely to happen. It just, I, don't, I just don't think it really makes the most sense right now. I don't think Lomachenko would want to go back down to 130 to challenge Shakur for his titles. 
And I'm not sure if Shakur would want to vacate his 130 titles to move up to 135 for a non-title fight. I just don't know if that would make sense. But on the flip side, it is very possible to make this fight. Both fighters are top-ranked fighters. And if Bob Arum wants it, it'll happen. Yeah, Bob Arum is definitely going to get whatever he wants. Um, if this fight he wants this fight to happen, it'll happen. But how do you think that this fight would go? Because, I mean, this fight, I, I can see it going many different ways. Okay, so with this fight, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I feel like I could comfortably say it'll go to the scorecards. I feel like it'd be a pretty close fight going into the scorecards, to be honest, as well. I don't think Shakur could sweep Lomachenko. I think Lomachenko definitely is going to get some work in. But then I think Shakur is going to have those moments of just defensive wizardry that Lomachenko can't figure something out. And Shakur, you know, working at a steady pace, I think that could possibly happen. I I, I do think this would be a close fight, straight up. I, I, I think it's possible that we can end up with a with scorecards, you know, 7-5 either way or even a draw. But I think it would be a really close and competitive fight. I would probably have to favor Shakur, though. He's got youth. Um, you can make an argument that in what he does, his skill set is as good, if not better, than Lomachenko's. And Shakur is just that guy. I know we keep saying he's up and coming, and he still technically is compared to his potential. But he's here. Shakur is here. I would bet for Shakur against most guys between 130 and 40. Straight up. Yeah, Shakur is going to be the pound-for-pound king one day, in my opinion. Uh, he's going to make take over that number one spot one day. Uh, this would be a perfect fight to get him even more up on that list. But uh, I do agree with you. And uh, I do agree with you in that this fight would go to a decision. I just think this is going to be one giant chess match for Lomachenko, and mm-hmm. he's not going to be able to land everything he wants because of Shakur's great defense. And and I just kind of want to see how Shakur is going to react to Lomachenko too, because Lomachenko can take hits. We've seen him take hits before. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think I've seen Shakur deal with a fighter anywhere close to Lomachenko in general. And also when it comes to how he gets inside, the angles that he takes, it's it's not an easy task. It's not going to be an opponent just standing in front of him the whole time. So something I'm really excited to see more from Shakur. I know he's capable of it. I've seen it in fights. I, I would love to see his lateral movement being pushed to its limits because moving forward and backwards, Shakur is it's a work of art. And I would I really just want to see his all-around game when it comes to his movement. Who do you think would be the aggressor in this fight? Because both of them kind of have that aggressive style, but Shakur also can take that kind of passive. I think Loma would definitely be the aggressor because he's going to be the one that has to find a way to get inside. Uh, Shakur is definitely going to use his reach advantage and, in my opinion, keep a distance, work from the jab. So Loma is definitely going to have to find ways inside and push forward. I can't see Shakur doing it at times. Say, like, Loma tries to find an opening and Shakur catches him. Loma takes a step back, has to play it safe. And then at that point, that's when I think Shakur would push. But Loma definitely being the aggressor for the majority of the time, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking, too. Because, I mean, that defense that Shakur is going to put up, I mean, he's just going to be able to pick when he wants to punch. But Loma Chico, he's going to have to work for it, I feel like. 
Yeah, if Loma wants to potentially win this fight, he he can't be on his slow start shit, in my opinion. So, yeah, even though boxing is a little slow in this very moment right here, we do have plenty of things to look forward to. And honestly, for the fights that haven't panned out yet, I, I'm praying that they do. And I just can't wait to see those and fights that we already got secured. And that does it for another episode of the All Takes No Wits podcast. This was another great episode this week, giving out our mid-season awards and just talking about some upcoming boxing matches and some boxing matches that we want to see. Like Alex said, it's got some upcoming fights and potential fights that we'd hope to see. And along with our mid-season awards, we've got a great all-star weekend coming up. If you guys want, you can let us know your thoughts on our social medias. You can find our Instagram and Twitter at ATNW Podcast. You can also find my personal Twitter at OnlySports52. You can also find my personal Twitter at AHandy2215. And you can find our Facebook page at All Takes No Whiffs Podcast. This is another great episode, and I'm looking forward to another good one next week. Peace.